Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts at metedmedia.com. This is the MCAT podcast, session number 156. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm excited to be here again for another high-yield podcast with Clara from Next Step Test Prep. If you are struggling with your MCAT, maybe you need to retake it's time to step back and ask some questions. Maybe you need to ask some questions to a tutor. That's what Next Step Test Prep is known for. They are a one-on-one tutoring company, first and foremost. That is how they made a name for themselves as one of the best MCAT test prep companies in the country. Go to nextsteptestprep.com, fill out your name and contact information to have a free consultation with the Next Step team. Let them know you heard about them here on the MCAT podcast. This week, we have some more high-yield concepts, this time in psychology. Clara, back for some more MCAT podcasts. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Last week, we had some fun lights and optics and physics. The week before that, I think, was an interesting one all about like lab design, experiment design stuff. And today we're back into some experimental design, this time in what, again, scares a lot of students, the psychology section of the MCAT. So let's talk about why psychology experiments or experimental design is so important for the MCAT. Totally. Uh, so I'm actually I'm so excited for this topic um, and really I think this is actually the most high yield one we've done so far, uh, just because in the psych section, virtually every single passage that you see will have some sort of mention of some sort of experimental design. And then most passages will have a question or multiple questions about how the researchers set up that experiment. Uh, And then even more importantly, really, is the fact that these these principles like, um, oh, like independent and dependent variables and like bias and research and that sort of thing. Uh, they can come up in the other science sections too. So you end up with like experimental design and like research being this just massive uh, MCAT area that a lot of times students don't understand or um, that it can be really tricky. So should be fun. 
Oh, yeah. You say fun. I say, uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, no, all right. Fun. Again, if you want to follow along, you can download this handout as well as all of the other handouts that we have for every other podcast. At least most of them have handouts uh, at mcatpodcast.com. Uh, question 22, I will start with here. Several statisticians notice an interesting relationship between a high-carb diet and a particular visual deficiency. In all populations, consumption of large amounts of carbohydrates appears to worsen the deficiency. However, in Europe, a high-carb diet has a much stronger effect on disease outcome than in Mexico, where it only slightly appears to impair patients' vision. In this scenario, which type of variable is location? Uh, A, independent, B, moderating, C, mediating, or D, confounding? Ooh, all right. So I love these design questions. So we trying to remember the difference between dependent and independent. I believe um, that dependent variables are the ones that we measure. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So dependent variables are what we measure in a study. And so um, independent to me doesn't seem right because we are kind of measuring um, that. We're measuring what's happening in Europe versus Mexico. So to me, A doesn't sound right. Uh, B, moderating uh, is interesting because it's like, well, is the location really moderating? To me, moderating is like, if I had to put it in layman's terms, I don't know if it's right or not, but to me, moderating is like affecting. Um, And so, uh, but I don't know if that's the right way to think through that. So B is kind of interesting. I don't know if that's the right answer. C, mediating, again, is another one that I'm like, I don't know. Uh, D is is the one that kind of stands out to me the most, and I don't know why. Um, But that's the this is interesting. This is one where you just have to know the the definitions of each. And unfortunately I only know independent. <laughs> yeah. So I would go with D and move on. Yeah, sure. Um, and I mean, honestly going with something and moving on is the best bet here. Cause you totally do need to know these definitions. And in this case, the right answer is B moderating. Okay. So moderating, which is the one I kind of, stuck with the most going moderating affecting Mm -hmm. um and so i was just i was like is it is it not i'm like (laughs) is the location really affecting it but i guess when you think about it the the location is there's some effect with location uh obviously not necessarily the coordinates of that location but something else going on and so there's something moderating about it so yeah I, i could easily see b yeah yeah, I, I always find it really helpful to think. Um, so, so yeah, moderating affects this relationship. And specifically, if you think of it like, oh, moderating variables affect the strength of a relationship, uh, that can be super, super helpful. Because here we see, okay, there is, they, they tell us in the first sentence, there is this relationship between high carb diets and this visual deficiency. And then what happens based on location is that in one place, uh, they have, it has a really strong relationship. 
between this uh, diet and disease outcome. Mm-hmm. Where whereas in the other location, there's only the slight relationship. So since we see location affecting the strength of this relationship, we're like, okay, yeah, that relationship exists no matter where we are from what we know, but it's a lot stronger of a relationship in Europe. So B is perfect for that reason. Okay. All right. And then let's talk through the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So independent. So you knew that one. So independent, dependent are the ones we see like on a, if we graph our relationship, independent is the thing we, um, the experimenters alter or impact. And then dependent is measured was what's being measured. Um, the much harder ones are moderating, mediating and confounding. So we talked about moderating already. Uh, mediating. Yeah. Mediating is kind of cool. It's, um, basically mediating variables are ones that explain a relationship. So if it's like, okay, um, a impacts B, but A impacts B because there's this thing C that is directly, so like A, A directly affects C and then C directly affects B. Uh, basically, that's what a mediating variable is. So if you ever see some relationship being described like, oh, you know, people like to eat, like summer leads to more ice cream sales, for example. And then you're like, oh, well, summer leads to more ice cream sales like because it's hot in the summer. And of course, you could like phrase that in a, in a way to make heat like actually a variable. Mm-hmm. But then, like that's what a, a mediating variable is. Okay. Uh, and then confounding is something you're going to see like all the time. Um, but basically a confounding variable is just any variable we're not actually intending to study that has some sort of measurable effect on uh, what we're trying to measure on our dependent variable. So you can think of it really simply as like confounding variables are the things that like mess up our study. Yeah. And so that's what I think that's what was drawing me to D. I guess I remembered something about that. Um, because to me, it, I, I guess we'd have to look at the, the question a little bit more in depth. Um, uh, to me, I could easily see how D can still be argued because it doesn't really say that location wasn't something they were looking at, just that that's what they found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough distinction. And on the MCAT, uh, the only like sort of foolproof way to get these questions right is to really limit like, okay, moderating variables are whenever you're, you see the strength of some sort of connection uh, being altered. Whereas confounding variables are practically every other situation where there's something like not being studied that's coming in and having an effect. Um, Now, one, one thing that could have made it much more likely to be confounding is if they said, Oh, um, Oh, I don't know if they if they specifically mentioned that location wasn't being studied or if they're like, oh, it turns out later we saw that all of the European people in the study uh, actually, you know, didn't this relationship wasn't exhibited or something like that. Um, it's it's a lot of it is, is sort of in the phrasing. But in this case, we know um, it has to be moderating because the relationship existed no matter what, um, no matter what the location was, there was still a relationship and the relationship was sort of like the same direction. Okay. Uh, but then it was stronger in one place than the other. Okay. It's a good way to, to make that distinction. Yeah, it's tough. Okay. Totally. Question 23. Okay. 23. Um, which of these experimental setups most clearly lacks external validity? So it's external validity. A, a study that measured athletic ability strictly based on soccer talent, but entirely neglected other forms of athletic skill. 
B, a protocol that established an apparent causal relationship but calculated a p-value of greater than 0.10. C, a procedure that found a relationship between infants in specific laboratory conditions but may or may not apply to infants in typical households. Or D, a survey for which researchers could only obtain a very small number of participants. Hmm. Lacks external validity. And so I would, uh, again, because it seems like uh, it, it kind of holds true with psychosis, so you just have to know a lot of these definitions. Um, so we'd have to know what external validity means. Um, and without that, I would just try to fall back on potential common sense and common words and what they mean. And so external, so outside, right, uh, of what what is what is being set up in an experiment that isn't going to hold true outside of that specific experiment. And so C is like, hey, we have this relationship in specific laboratory conditions, but may or may not apply to infants in typical households. I'm like, well, that sounds like a very straightforward definition. So I would potentially just go with that one uh, without trying to break down each of the other ones. Yeah, that was great. So that's right. All right. (laughs) Common sense for the win. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, uh, so external validity, you see, so you did de- you needed to know what it meant. It's just that you can sort of deduce what it meant by its um its name. Mm-hmm. So that was you were exactly right about what it meant. So external validity is uh a, basically a measure of a study that says how applicable are its results to external situations. So it's a big problem that a lot of studies have where because the study is so strictly controlled and um, we minimize every possible confounding variable, uh, it can end up with a really good study design, but it doesn't apply to real life like at all. Uh, And that's what we're dealing with here. So C, because it may or may not apply to infants in typical households, that means it lacks this external validity, this um, generalizability, essentially. Okay. Yeah, it seems like just kind of random thought. It seems like a lot of stuff that we see in research tends to lack external validity. It's like, hey, we know that uh, what was it? Uh, Olean, the the like fat substitute from the the early two thousands that was like, oh, it's a, a carcinogenic. I'm like, well, yeah, if you eat like four thousand bags of them, <laughs> uh, that's not really externally valid, right? Nobody's going to sit down and eat that much of it. Um, so I wonder, I wonder how much, uh, if we actually looked at research and, and external validity, how much there actually is in a lot of our research. Oh, totally. You know, I think the majority of studies most likely lack external validity because it's either what you just said, which is like, oh, you know, there's this bias in, um, in which articles tend to get published, like, cause the articles that are like the most, um, interesting or like the most willing to shock people, that sort of thing. Like those, those do tend to get published more often than ones that make really sort of boring conclusions. Gotta love clickbait. Yeah. Clickbait. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's one problem. And then the other problem is, you know, real life is super messy and it's hard to construct an experiment that, um, is super messy because that violates like every principle of experiments, but then you end up with one that isn't very real realistic. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, and the, the other ones here are interesting too. So, um, 
A so A A is uh A has problems. Um I believe that I believe that's content validity. Um it's not so basically external and internal validity are the two types of validity that you're gonna see all the time on the MCAT. Uh, and A is not that. A is basically just too um, narrow of a definition. So it defined athletic ability as soccer talent. But in reality, there's a lot of other ways to define athletic ability uh, that has nothing to do with external validity. So that's out. Um, B just looks like a statistical error because mm-hmm. B's, yeah, because do you, do you remember like P value, uh, mm-hmm. what we're trying to go for? Yeah, less than yeah. 0.05, I think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so less than 0.05. This one got one of greater than 0.10, so that's not statistically significant, but they messed up and they thought that it was, so that's just, like, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then D, a survey for which researchers could only obtain a very small number of participants. That's Um, power. Small sample size will have a lot of negative impacts on studies, but in itself, it's not necessarily uh, a lack of any kind of validity because... For example, like a lot of studies on like very, very rare diseases um, are always going to have a small number of participants. And if they're, yeah, if they're well-constructed, they can still be good studies. Yeah. Neurology research is typically very, very low numbers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, All right. Question 24. An experiment protocol that relies entirely on surveys and questionnaires is especially vulnerable for which form of bias? A, social desirability bias, B, confirmation bias, C, stereotype threat, or D, the availability heuristic. Um, So surveys and questionnaires, I I know that these just um, as a whole are terrible for research. And it's funny, I, I gave a talk recently to a bunch of admissions committee members and deans and directors of admissions and stuff. Based on a survey, right? And I said, I know for you like data nerds out there, surveys are not great data, but uh, just just go with me here. Um, so I threw it out there and, and kind of overcame my own objection or their, their objection immediately. Um, so a social desirability bias is interesting just based on the name because let me break down kind of my, my thoughts behind Uh, what I've heard, why surveys are bad. Um, So let's say the survey is about how much TV do you watch at night? And you say, well, if I tell the truth and say that I watched four hours, they're going to think I'm a lazy slug. Uh, So I'm going to say I only watch 30 minutes and I read books the rest of the time. Uh, And and so that's typically why uh, surveys are bad because people are kind of framing how they want other people to think of them as they're responding. Uh, and to me, that's social desirability, uh, it, at least based on those two words together without knowing the, the strictest definition. Um, so I would go with A, potentially confirmation bias um, isn't, uh, confirmation bias is more like I'm seeking out information that already kind of confirms my own thoughts. Um, C, stereotype threat, I don't think is the right thing. And D, availability heuristic, I don't know what that means. So I would go with A. A is perfect. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, what are your What are your thoughts on those answer choices? Yeah, so so A, you you were one hundred percent correct about what A means. Uh, and A is social desirability bias is exactly why surveys and questionnaires are. Um, not great methods. Um, so like a survey asking people about like their salary, for example, um, 
virtually everyone will either report their actual salary or report it a little bit higher. Like no one ever reports it a little bit lower mm-hmm. <laughs> than their real salary. So, uh, so A is exactly right here. Uh, then the other answer choices. So you were you were right about B two. So B confirmation bias is where we tend to favor pieces of information that fit in with beliefs we already have. Um, so that's uh, definitely not right. And then C, stereotype threat is super MCAT relevant, but not relevant here. So, so it's the idea that if, I, if I'm aware of a stereotype, like let's say there's a stereotype that affects me um, for some reason, and I'm aware of that stereotype, then I'm more likely to act in certain ways um, that are sort of affected. So often what will happen is let's, let's say there's a stereotype that, oh, you know, um, girls are not as good at, at math, for example. Um, and someone tells me this, uh, before I go in to take a math test and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it makes me super nervous. It makes me actually perform worse. That is being, yeah, affected by stereotype threat. Um, and then availability heuristic, this is actually one of my favorite concepts in psych. Um, and it's this idea that heuristics are, are shortcuts. And so this is like a mental shortcut where we tend to favor uh, pieces of information that are more readily available uh, rather than thinking about like every relevant piece of information we might have. So like, let's say I just got a question on the MCAT recently where it was it sort of reminded me of this question and the right answer to the question was the availability heuristic. I might think, oh, like we just saw this question, like I just saw that answer choice and this one's right. Um, but I'm relying on just this piece of very recent, um, very easily available information instead of thinking through um, all the information I have in my brain about this this concept okay so good some good definitions there again psych soch for you listening uh a a lot of it is based on just a lot of memorizing unfortunately memorizing a lot of these definitions yeah absolutely all right so there you have it another mcat podcast in the books hopefully you were able to take some good notes get some good tips for the psychology section of the MCAT. Next week, we're going to have the other half of the psych soch section with some high-yield sociology. Don't forget, again, to check out Next Step Test Prep one-on-one tutoring by going to nextsteptestprep.com, filling out your information for a free consultation. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.